And it's, yeah, it's good to be here. And I want to reiterate what Rob just said, that this act, Spiritual Gifts Activation Workshop, a little bit of a mouthful, is, is a great opportunity this weekend. And a lot of times you hear about spiritual gifts, you think about different things, and this is going to be an emphasis on some of the more, quote-unquote, miraculous gifts, too. The Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. prophesy. And we're going to be talking about hearing God's voice and get, having, getting his word for other people and other spiritual gifts that God wants to give us to advance his kingdom. So it's going to be a great, great opportunity. Um, how are you all doing? Good, good. It's a quieter week here in Manhattan for those of us who are here, and, but I, I enjoyed the change of pace myself. We are, that kind of ties into our, our message today, we're continuing our series about paradoxes, which are the truths of God and his kingdom that are seem, seem contradictory at first, but there are two things that seem opposite or contradictory, but they're both true, or they both come together in some way in God's kingdom. And today we're going to talk about the magical and the mundane. Um, there's there was a, when I was in eighth grade, our, our class, we had a vote. Our music teacher said, hey, who, who would, you guys are really musical. Who would like to do a play? And everyone in the class, or a musical, and everyone in the class voted yes except for me and one friend who kind of I half convinced to go along with me. But we ended up doing this play, and we did this. The, it was a, a story written by Mark Twain, a book that he wrote that was turned into a musical called The Prince and the Pauper. I don't know if, how many of you are familiar with the story, but the idea it was, it was set in England in, I think, Victorian era, and what happened is there was the prince, Prince Edward, had, there was another kid about his same age, who was actually born on the same, about his same age, he was born on the same day, and they had an un, uncanny resemblance to one another. They looked very similar. And through a series of events, got some good background music, that's great. <laughs> Through this coincidence, they met each other one day, and they realized, wow, we look kind of similar, and they, they changed clothes. And then this, this event happened where the, the, the prince who had put on the pauper's clothes was seen by a guard, and he thought he didn't have a right to be in the palace, and so he kicked him out. And so the prince, the legitimate prince, is out on the streets in these pauper's clothes, and the pauper is wearing the prince's clothes, and for a, quite a period of time, they couldn't find their right place back because no one would believe who they really were. They thought they were crazy. And, but what was interesting is that changing their clothes changed everything. Where this, this pauper, this, this poor kid who was in an abusive situation, very tough life, but all it took was a change of clothes and he was in this, this magical world of being the Prince of England. And actually, like his common sense answers were able to provide the kind of wisdom that a prince should have, although nobody would expect this poor kid to, to have that. And the prince, as soon as he was dressed like a tattered beggar, started living this very mundane life. And he wasn't able to get back to the, the palace where he, where he was from for quite a while. And I was thinking about that in the sense that there's the, the, the pauper really represents the mundane, and the prince, the magical. And... Oftentimes, those things seem like they're worlds apart, but they're actually much closer than we realize. That much of life feels very mundane. But there is, and that's by design, that's not necessarily bad, but there's something in the mundane that can be much greater, much more magical. Now, it's Christmas season starting off, and there's something about, you know, our family went to see the, the 
largest tree in Kansas get lit here in the Blue Earth Plaza on Friday night. And there's just something. There were thousands of people out there, and the lights go off, and it's, the music is going, and there is something magical about Christmas that, that grabs people's hearts, and they're like, yeah, there's something there that, that appeals to me, that I want that aspect of my life. But then it's interesting that Christmas is oftentimes, the, it's the time when depression rates are the highest in America, because there's this sense of like, oh, life should be like this, and there are all the images of lights and friends and joy, but you're confronted with the reality of my life doesn't feel anything like that. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting that the actual, the original Christmas story had these same elements going as well. And I think that's part of what makes it so powerful. You look at Mary, for example, and here she was. She was a descendant of King David, the one who God said, hey, of his descendants, there will always be a, a king on my throne. It was the line through which the Messiah was going to come. And she was, she was engaged to a man who was also a descendant of King David. Fortunately, hundreds of years had passed, and so there's no you know, problem here. But they, they have this great you know, lineage. But they're both very poor. They're living in a small town off the beaten track of Nazareth in the northern part of Israel. The, 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 the videos you see, usually it shows Mary... She's maybe sweeping the living room in her, her, her house and living this very mundane life, living this very normal life. And in the midst of her simplicity, God shows up and, and the angel shows up and tells her, you're going to bear the, the Son of God who's going to be the Savior of the world. There's this coming together of the mundane and the magical. You see that in the shepherds. That they, Again, they were the poor classes. They're out in the fields. And we think of like, you know, that seems kind of romantic. And, you know, there are nice pastoral things involved with being a shepherd. But, there, you know, it's also pretty mundane. You get cold. It's long nights. They've got to stay up and keep night watch. There's the smells. You know, animals, sheep look all nice and cuddly. But if you're ever around a herd of animals, those smells are not very magical. All right? It's, there's, this, this is a very mundane life. But in the middle of that, there's these lower class people. Again, the angels show up, and they're chosen to be part of God's story in this incredibly magical way. They're some of the first witnesses who see the Son of God who's come into the world, and are commissioned to go tell that to, to the rest of the world. And even, you know, ultimately, we see this in God himself, in that God, the one who the Bible says is light and lives in unapproachable light, there's magnificence and radiance and Glory in his, his very being, beyond anything we can comprehend. But the God, of that sort of God, took on human flesh. He became one of us. He entered this world. He walked on dirt. He was, his body was made of dust. He entered this, this very world that we, that we live in. And you know, the magical of God is hidden in the mundane. The magic of what God is, there is an aspect that he wants us to, to grab a hold of and live out of, but it's hidden in the, in the mundane, and we see this in Jesus more than anything else. It was prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 and 2. Krista read about how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we think, wow, God is here. Like, How glorious is that? But this is what it was like. And let's read here in Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he, what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
For he, speaking of the Messiah, grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Now you see the pictures of Jesus, and maybe he's got this halo over his head, or he's got this you know, real smooth skin, and the look. You're like, oh, if I saw him, I would know he was the one. It's the Jesus look. But that's not what it was like. It's saying there was nothing about him that's, that set him apart physically from other people. There was nothing about his form, nothing about his appearance. He wasn't really incredibly good looking. There, he was a normal looking person. There was nothing about him that you would think, oh, this is someone special by physical appearance. But the magical was hidden in the mundane. And I want to read, a, read an, we're going to read another story here in, in Mark chapter 5. This is very, fairly early on in Jesus' ministry. And the previous, um, actually it's Mark chapter 6, the, the first five chapters of Mark talk about how he's started his ministry and it's just miracle after miracle after miracle. He's healing people. It's just incredible things that are happening. He's, he's teaching about the kingdom of God and these powerful stories and people are following him and you're, you're hearing all these miracles. And then Jesus comes to his hometown. He comes to the place of where he was born. Not where he was born, but the place where he grew up in Nazareth. And you think that, okay, these are the people that had seen Jesus his whole life. If anyone was going to get it, if anyone was going to see how incredible he was, it would be them, right? They had 30 years of watching him. And this is the guy who never sinned. You'd think that would stand out, right? Like, think of any of your friends. Any of them never sinned? Yeah, not, not very close. This guy, he, he was God in the flesh, walking around for 30 years. And now he's begun his ministry. He's, he's come out and he's coming back to his hometown. And let's, let's, let's read what happens here. It says, he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? So it, you're like, wow, okay, they're, they're impressed. They're seeing the miracles, they're hearing the words, they're going, wow, there's something about him. But it goes on. And they say, is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary. And brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Interesting. Their their response to the people who were most familiar with Jesus was to get offended. Because their perception of him was there's not much special going on right here. This is the guy we know, his dad, he's just a carpenter. He grew up here, he's a carpenter. He, we know his brothers and sisters, there's, there's nothing that special about their family. Why, why should he be the one that people are saying that there's something about him? And Jesus said this, he said, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. 
Now, it's, it's wild that the people who thought they knew Jesus best couldn't see past their familiarity. And they couldn't get past the, the incongruity, the difference between what they thought they knew and his mighty works and words of authority. You know, he just, he seems so normal. How could, how could he be something more than that? And as a result, they missed out on the miraculous. There was, you know, Jesus was doing mighty miracles all over the place, but he didn't do nearly as much with them because of their expectation, because of how they saw him. And, like, okay, that's, that's nice about the townsfolks of Nazareth, but what about us? Well, it comes home to us because so much of our life feels mundane. So much of our life feels like there's not that much special going on. It's another day of work. It's another day of homework. It's another day of housework. It's another day of difficult people in our lives. It's another day of what you know, financial strain. It's another day of just the mundaneness of life. And we live in a culture where the, the glamorous is, is glorified so much. You know, you're, you're just, you know, a remote control click away from seeing the lifestyles of the rich and famous on 300 channels anytime you want. You know, you, turn, you get online, it's, we're surrounded with the advertising and the shows and the movie stars and the athletes and the people who seem to have these glamorous lives that seem so different from our lives. And we live in this, this tension between, like, and, the, and also the, the sense of magic in our heart that, man, we want there to be something about our life that's beyond mundane. We want to have a life that is, that's sparkling, that's, that's got that dimension to it. But then, day in and day out, it sure doesn't feel like that. Day in and day out, it feels, feels like, man, am I ever going to reach my goals? Does this, does this make any difference? Is this getting anywhere? Anyone besides me feel that way? Yeah, that's, that's how a lot of my days feel. And... You know, there's, we, we want that, but, but our days don't feel like that. But there's, I think there's, we were made to want that. I watched part of a football game yesterday. I think about sports. It just, it, what we've done with sports points to this so much. The, the need in our heart to have a life that's beyond mundane. Because here, it's just, it's just 22 guys on a football field carrying a bit of leather on some grass. But, man, it, it, we make it into this epic battle, where there's the PA announcers, and, and now taking the field, you're Kansas State Wildcats, and you got the cheerleaders leading everybody, and the marching band, and the music, and like, there's this sense of like, man, this is something more epic going on, and if I just like watch it, then maybe I can be a part of that too, maybe there's something epic about my life, and you know, did you see how my team did yesterday, and that's, you know, it's touching something in us that we were made to feel that there was something epic, something magical about our lives. Um, but the things we, we turn to to try to fill that void really are what the Bible calls idols. I'm not saying it's an idol if you watch a football game. You know, that's, if you watch too many football games, maybe so. But whatever, there are things that we, we have that need, but we look to other things to try to make us have that sense of, of, of that we're, we're looking for. Um, and, you know, and even in the things of God, or not just in the, even in the things of God, but it seems like especially in the, the spiritual things, they can seem really mundane too. You know, it's like, 
prayer. Wow. That doesn't oftentimes feel very exciting to me. Like, that, that can seem like just, a lot of times my, my flesh, my natural self, doesn't get too excited about the idea of, of praying. But the reality is, if I could just see it, this is an invitation to get to come in the courts of heaven. To come before the God of the universe and interact with him and have him speak with me and tell me how great he thinks I am and his plans for me and to bring my request to him and to join in with him in his magical work of changing the world. But it doesn't feel like that. Those, the magical is hidden in the mundane. Now, reading my Bible, it, it doesn't feel that magical a lot of times, or the, at least especially before I get started. It's like, hey, you should read your Bible. I know I should, but man, I just, there's everything in me is just not feeling like that's what I want. But the reality is, it's like, man, these are the very words of God that he wants to breathe on and speak to me and change things in me. You know, it's, it's interesting, like even like church, like it's easy to get excited on the like, man, we had a huge Sunday. There were so many people here. That's great. And then like it's Thanksgiving break. And it's like, and this week is like twice as big as last week felt. And it's like, okay, man, this, it's easy to get discouraged in the mundane stuff of life and forget that there could be something that God really has. But, man, God often hides the magical in, in what seems mundane. You know, our, our work, our job, our studies. Like, if the, there's one of the core values of our church is that all of life is sacred. And that no matter what we do, if God is wanting to bring his kingdom into the world through that, no matter what we're doing, that that, our work and our day-to-day interaction with people, and every day, that's a sacred thing, that God is present, and he wants to be present in us, bringing his kingdom into the world. But it's so easy for us to lose sight of that. So what do we do with that? How do we find the, the magical and the mundane? How do we, how do we live in this boring life sometimes, but touch what is in our hearts for something more. Well, I'm just going to give us three things to, to look to, to apply this for our life. And the first one is to look for it. Look for the magical in the mundane. Now, to ask God to reveal himself to you in your everyday life. God, help me. Give me eyes to see what is going on here that I can't see. What are you doing that's beyond this? There's um, a picture I've got. We're going to look at it here. I clipped this out of a magazine a while back, and it's, hang, it's on the wall over my desk because I just I love this picture. But this is taken in the, last, in the last year in the city of Aleppo, Syria, which has been just war-torn by, by the war in Syria. And you see it's just ruins here. And here you see this young couple that's getting married. And I just love that, like, you know what? We live in the ruins of a city, but we still have dreams for our life. We're still going to, like, find love, get married, put on the white wedding dress, and we're going to, in the midst of this, this broken world, we're gonna, there's a dream in our heart for something more. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that there's still hope. There's still possibility. And really, that's, that's found in God. Um, but it's something that he needs to do for us to help us to see that. Psalm 119.18 says this. It, the, the psalmist writes, he says, Open my eyes 
that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. God, open my eyes. He's saying, as I, as I look at your word, as I look at, he's speaking of the law, the, the part that we often think is the most mundane part of the Bible. He's saying, no, there are wondrous things here. The character of God and the promises of God and his plan for the world, it's, it's hidden in here. God, would you open my eyes? Help me to see it. Help me to see that the, the promise, the wonder that you have in here. And God wants to do that for us as we, as we ask him, as we look to him. The second thing is to focus on Jesus. You know, the, the more we focus on our life or the mundaneness of our life, our problems, the more mundane it feels. The less, the, the more like we try to dig out of a hole, but we just feel like we're digging the hole deeper. But when we get our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstance and onto Jesus, Jesus, who are you? What are you up to? What are you saying? What are you all about? That changes everything. Ephesians 1, verse 16, Paul, he, he writes this, because I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. He's saying, may your eyes, may God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see what you can't see naturally. And it's in the knowledge of Him. It's as we see who He is, as we come to know who He is, that we come more fully into that dimension of life that God wants us to live in. And so it's look for the magical and the mundane, focus on Jesus. And then the last thing I want to say is, is make. Make your mundane magical. There's the power God has given us to as we see who He is and see His kingdom, to not... Just wait for circumstances to dictate it, but for us to make the mundane magical. I was, a while ago, I was at the K-State, um, Old Memorial Stadium, where you can work out. And I, I saw a guy I know going around, he works for K-State, picking up trash. And there were just all these, you know, they're little pieces of trash. And there are people that are employed by K-State to pick up all the candy wrappers and coffee lids, and the stuff that just gets dropped and left. And I was thinking, man, that's pins and who knows how many thousands of dollars a year that K-State spends because people just drop messes all over. I was like, what if the Christians, you know, say there are 10% of Christians at K-State, maybe they just like picked up the trash as they saw it and took it upon themselves to to make K-State a better place. And that's just a small thing, but it's, it's amazing how when you read the New Testament, the, they got this revelation of Jesus, the Son of God, came to our world, and He died for our sins, and He was resurrected. He came to new life. And they knew that that meant that that new life was not just for Him, but it was new creation for everyone who had believed Him. That we would come into a newness of life. And that it was the, the down payment of a new heavens and a new earth that God was bringing. And there was, I mean, it was the most magical message ever. That God had brought restoration and new life, new creation into the world. And so they, they preached this message of who Jesus is and believe in Him. But then it's crazy how 
So many of the letters that, that the apostles wrote would transition from these glorious declarations of who Jesus is to these very commonplace, practical, everyday instructions on how to live. And he's talking about how to love your neighbor, how to love your family members, how to care for one another. He's talking about how to, how to do your job well, how to keep house well, how to honor your political leaders. All these things that just seem like so everyday and so commonplace. But they realize that as we work this out in our everyday life, that's how God's kingdom advances. That's how things change. That's what transforms things. In Colossians 3, it's, it's one of these examples. Paul is writing to slaves. Or actually, he's, yeah, he is. He's writing to slaves. And he says this, he says, Whatever you do, slaves, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Oh, he's, he's telling slaves, hey, the work that you're doing, this menial stuff or this backbreaking work that you're doing, it, it seems like, man, is this really my lot in life? Can't there be something more? He's saying there is something more. Do your work for the Lord. You're really not just doing it for those human masters. But as you do this unto me, unto God, that is really bringing value to your work. And there's, by the way, there's a reward too. There's a great reward that you'll have in this life and ultimately so much more in the life to come. There's something that God is transforming the mundane as you do it for him. And man, that's, that's real life. That's, that's where I live my life. It's the day-to-day waking up and it's, it just oftentimes feels like another day. It feels like, man, is this all there is? But it's God helping us to see his miraculous in the mundane. Um, I'll tell one more quick story. This, this week I was prompted by my wife to take the trash out before the trash guy came. And so I was doing that, and then I saw, oh, there are all these leaves, and we've got this, like, one of our trash cans is, like, where we put our outside sort of yard debris. I was like, oh, these are, like, on our steps and our driveway. Let me just sweep these up and put them in our outdoor trash can and take them out. And as I was doing that, the trash truck starts driving up, driving down our road. So I'm like, okay, I can get it, on, get it in time and make sure I don't, don't miss him. And so I get it, and right as he's pulling up, I put the last bit in, and I start walking down the driveway like, hey, you know, don't leave me. And the trash guy walks from the road, and he comes halfway up to my house or more and grabs the trash can from me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And he said, oh, thank you. And I was like, this dude must be a Christian. Like, here's the trash guy. He's like picking up everybody's trash. But he is doing his work in a different way than you expect the trash company to provide. Like, normally it's like, hey, you're late. Too bad. Wait till next week. If you don't get that all the way to the curb, it's on you. And here's a guy who's like, I'm a little late. And he's going out of his way to, like, meet me and help and it's crazy how this this little thing, but it like it blessed me so much. I was like, man, this is how the world should be. Like, this is what believers should be like. This is what it's like, and it literally just changed the atmosphere around. And that's the kind of thing that God wants us to see that way—to see that there's something more going on in our mundane lives, no matter how mundane it may feel. There's something more that He has, and as we partner with Him, He wants to bring that into the world. Um, yeah. I'm just going to pray for us.
Ask God to help us. Lord, thank you that you're the God of the miraculous. You're the God of who put dreams in our heart and who put um, just the sense that there's something more. There's something divine. There's something eternal we're made to live for. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you would not, not allow that, that spark to be quenched through discouragement or life. Lord, I pray that you would, you would blow on that afresh. That there would be a fresh sense of, of awe and wonder and hope in you. Lord, I, I ask you to help us to, to see that, in, not just in the obvious things, but in the mundane things. Lord, help us to see where you are and what you're doing. Help us to partner with you in that. Lord, I just trust you to lead us more fully into walking this out. In Jesus' name, amen.